Virginia Highlands Church, how thankful I am to be with you today. Good morning. I bring greetings from your siblings at Kirkwood United Church of Christ, and I bring an enormous amount of joy as I am honored to be a part of this 100-year celebration of being the church in this neck of the woods. We are celebrating our 15th year of being the church uh, at KUCC, and we still have so much to learn, so many ways to grow into that deep and rich way of bringing the good news of God's love into the world as you have done for so many years. I am thankful for your pastor, Matt Laney, as I know you are, for the leadership that he brings and shares with you I am thankful for Candace Raul, your soon-to-be uh, new minister of faith formation. We were blessed to work with Candace um, during her training in seminary, um, and, and she came to be at KUCC the beginning of 2020, and we fell in love with her for a month, and then we only saw her um, on the video after that because the pandemic hit. Uh, but we know that you, what you are in for and it will be so, so good, so joyful as she shares ministry with you. Mighty proud of you, Candace, and thankful for you and excited for this church. I want to uh, thank Corbin McKinnon, my friend now. We were talking in the car today of 22 years. I first met Corbin at St. Paul United Methodist Church, and uh, he has been playing the flute for almost as long as he has been alive. He is uh, one of the leading L'Arche members of the new L'Arche House in Decatur and um, has been a part of that community now for about eight years. We're also grateful that he and his mom are a part of our community at KUCC, and I'm really thankful that he came to be with us today, and he was just thrilled to learn more about Virginia Highlands and to be with you today. <clears throat> My wife Susan is here with us. And uh, our minister of children is with us as well, Kathy Carter. They were both really clear that they were hoping to come to church this morning, and if they did so, they wouldn't have to go back to our church at 5 o'clock this afternoon when we meet for worship. So it's a little bit of both joy and uh, reality that they're here at the 11 o'clock service. Let's just be honest about that. I must begin by saying this morning that um, this is a long story. We, we read a portion of it today, and I appreciate Elizabeth and Tariku uh, for reading it for us. I mean, these conversations we've been having during Lent, these Messiah dialogues are lengthy. And this one today, well, it is no exception. I do wonder why I said yes to preaching on this particular Sunday, though, at Virginia Highlands but how thankful I am to be with you. Will you please pray with me? God, may you open us up, our lives, our hearts, our minds, to know your presence, feel it, experience it with us today. God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would speak in spite of me, I pray that what we hear is your word for us and what we know and claim this day, God, is your love for us. 
Please continue to be with us as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There was a man born blind. That much is clear. We know that he was in need. As we read through the text, we see that he would sit in the town asking people for help. It's, it's obvious, though, that on some level people recognized him, but did they really see him? Did he blend in with the other folks in need? From Kirkwood to Virginia Highlands, I see folks on the side of the road in need, where the traffic backs up next to the Jimmy Carter Center on Freedom Parkway. I know they're there. Sometimes I stop and see them, give them something. Sometimes I don't. Honestly, sometimes I'm thankful for the green light. I imagine this guy was kind of like some of those guys on the side of the road known as the blind guy, the beggar, labeled like that forever. People occasionally responding to his need, but never really stopping to know him, really see him, hear his story, learn more about him, maybe even making assumptions about who he was or why he was blind. The story brings up a lot, beginning with the reality of a pretty terrible question that the disciples asked Jesus about the man born blind, making all sorts of assumptions, wanting to place blame or hold the man accountable for his human condition. I got to begin there. There's a lot to this story on the surface and below. In the first many verses and at the end, and between hold, between hold so much complexity, the back and forth, the, the facts, the redirects, the stay the course. But this beginning question, it calls us into some sort of accountability. It may have been an acceptable question back in Jesus' day, a worldview of something like, well, everything happens for a reason that somehow our differing abilities are linked to the nature of sin. There must be a reason. Yet we know, I hope you know, that each one of you, of us, was made in the beautiful, boundless bounty of God. Whatever our differing abilities, they are beautiful, boundless bounty of God at work in our lives, not the result of of sin. Do you hear me? Are you with me? Now we know that there are times when person's sin creates suffering, struggles in their lives. You steal something, there are consequences to pay often. There are times when other people's sin causes suffering. It's happening right now at our capital as lawmakers are trying to pass discriminatory bills against the LGBTQ community, especially those who identify as trans. And if this bill passes, it will create more pain and suffering for people we love and care about deeply. Life is hard. Struggle and suffering is real. You know that. We know that. It's not a punishment from God. It is a part of the world we live in and still we try to make sense of it. We want to know why. 
congenital blindness or any other differing ability is not a result of sin. But the disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this person or his parents, that he was born blind? A friend at a former church told me once, more than once, how painful it was as a person born blind to hear those questions asked of her and her family. Sadly, still a worldview for many today. Things must happen for a reason. God has a plan, they might say. We want to make sense of the suffering around us. We want to know why. But things don't always happen for a reason. God is always present, working for good in our world and in every situation, but things don't always happen for a reason. They must be poor because. She must be incarcerated because. The reason they are being deported must be because. He must be experiencing mental health issues because. This guy was born blind because. Now, you can look there with me in your bulletin at Jesus' response. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born without sight so that God's works might be revealed. Okay, here, this is important. I am not a Greek scholar. I didn't even take Greek at Candler because I didn't have to. But I am good at searching the commentaries that help me understand better, deeper, the Scripture. And I'm a big fan of a commentary called Working Preacher. Craig Coaster, who is a Greek scholar and teacher, tells us that one portion of Jesus' response, he was born without sight, those words, are not a part of the Greek text. Word for word in the Greek, this is what verse 3 says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but in order that the works of God might be revealed in him. Now, now let's put that connected, uh, that corrected connected verse to the next one, and it reads like this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, period, stop. But that, the God, but that God's works might be revealed, we must work the works of him who sent me. Let me read that again. But that God's works might be revealed, we must work the works of him who sent me. Are you with me? I mean, the way it reads without the correction of the Greek there in verse 3, it almost sounds like God made this guy blind so Jesus could swoop in and heal him. As if God needed that miraculous moment. That God gets all the glory and looks really good. God, God does not need this. And neither does the man born blind. The man is not a pawn in the story. He is a beautiful child of God that is being overlooked by everyone except Jesus. There in the very first verse, very first sentence, the scripture says... As he walked through town, Jesus saw a man. And Jesus is clear. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. However, 
in this very moment, as Jesus stopped to see the man in need, he also instructs the disciples that God's work might be revealed in this man. And we, the Scripture says we, in verse 4, we have an opportunity to participate in the works of God. Jesus sees this man for who he is, a person in need, and invites us to look invites the disciples into a different way of thinking, invites the disciples and us, we, to participate in a deeper relationship with this guy. Not slowing down to give him a couple of bucks or even a bottle of water. Not hoping that the light will turn green and we can just get on with our day. Jesus invites them to stop to stop with the questions, to stop with the need to always blame or ask why or figure out who's responsible or to have an, an easy response that everything happens for a reason. To stop and participate in the work of God right here, right now, while there is time. We are moving toward the crucifixion. It's the fourth Sunday in Lent. Good Friday is coming. Jesus knows that. He has said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And Jesus has given this guy and the disciples and us a chance to see the light, participate in that light, be that light. And that kind of light, it brings a new kind of vision, a seeking that doesn't have much to do with sight or no sight, but much more to do with wisdom and insight and knowledge of understanding and purpose. The man born blind may, lo- may no longer have to be in need at the mercy of this questioning, judging, assuming crowd that the community that no longer sees him even. And Jesus saw all of these optics going on around him, and he bent down and he spat on the ground, and he made a mixture. And he rubbed it in the man's eyes. And he anointed him, this new disciple, with holy mud, holy mud. A familiar story, perhaps, hearkening back to those first humans made of the mud and the spit and the breath of God. Another new beginning from the one who was in the very beginning, the light of life that had come into the world. Then Jesus told the man to get washed up in the pool of Siloam, a baptism of sorts, following an anointing of sorts, beginning with a transformation of sorts, a disciple not of sorts, but of certainty, born this way, transformed by the light of the world to become even more who he was created to be. And the people, and people, and people don't know what to do with him. I mean, the crowds, the religious leaders, his parents even, if you keep reading the story, they all question everything about him. And Jesus cuts right through it all, all those terrible questions, and the man becomes a witness a witness to the light of the world, and he can see with the eyes of his heart, with his life, and he shines that light. This blind man was open 
to an opportunity to manifest God's work of bringing the light of life into the world at that very moment. Wouldn't we be grateful to be a part of that, thankful to be such a conduit of light and love? I mean, wouldn't it be something if everyone, everyone, everyone could be open to the healing, hope, compassionate touch of love in their lives? Well, you have. You know that? For a hundred years, for 100 years, Virginia Highlands has been open to God's light, receiving it, sharing it, living it out. A hundred years! That's incredible, y'all. And yeah, I mean, maybe there are moments in your history, in your lineage that you wrestle with. Good. Wrestle with it. Forgive it. Let it go. Be different. Be open right here, right now, as you are to work the work of God in your life. You were born this way, open to God's transformative, life-giving light so that you can be a witness, so that you can testify to the love and justice of God in this world, in this city, in this community, in your own life. That is great, glorious news, my friends. Somebody say amen. Yes, yes, yes. I don't mean to defer to Lady Gaga. Like she somehow holds the truth, but I think she does. Her words are powerful. I was born this way, she sings, I will not. One verse says, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in regret. regret. Just love yourself and you're set. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Jesus says, yes. Man whose sight happens to be impaired, you were born this way and look at the story you have to tell. Jesus says, yes. You were born this way. All of us created to glorify God with our many and varied gifts. And all of us claim these gifts in distinct and meaningful ways. Some of you understand numbers in a way that translate into ministry and mission to serve all of the need that is around you. Thank God you were born this way. Some of you are artists. Some of you are poets. Some of you are musicians and play and sing and create in a way that gives meaning to the moments of our lives that help us to stop and pay attention and to see the beauty around us. Thank God you were born that way. Some of you can listen patiently, thoughtfully, and give words of wisdom that help us to move with intention in this world. Thank God you were born this way. Some of you can give hugs and smiles and hospitality that remind us that we are not alone on this journey and we have each other to help us move on down the road. Thank God you were born this way. Some of you stand in solidarity and work for liberation, linking love and justice in a way that impacts people's lives, speaking out with and for your trans siblings, lifting your voice and proclaiming the truth that black lives matter. You get out the vote. 
thank God you were born this way. Yes, born that way and willing to participate and be disciplined to use and share the gifts, your gifts, with God's people, to be a witness, to testify to God's work and love in this world. And all of us, all of us have a story to tell about the ways in which God has and God will transform us and work in our lives. Jesus says that we, we must work the works of the one who sent me. Jesus is leading the way, but it is we who must be about the business of bringing light into the world. And sometimes we begin that work with the assumptions that we carry, asking questions, honestly, sometimes terrible questions, because we think it's our job to answer the why, to understand the cause, to make sense of it all. And today, well, we heard some of those horrific assumptions and whys. God must have a plan for you. This happened for a reason. Well, you were thoughtfully and wonderfully made. There is no doubt about that. And the truth is, God does have a plan for you, for me. And it's a plan for us to live into, not to be determined by others. With God, all things are possible, and God calls each one of us into ministry, using our gifts, our talents, all of our varied abilities to bring light into the world. The man who had his sight restored had no intention of staying in the why. He moves now to the what now. In the past, everyone had wanted to know why he was blind. Now everyone wants to know why he has been given sight. He has no answer to either except this, what he says, how he responds to the unbelieving crowd in verse 25 of this entire reading. Here's what, here's what he says. Here's what I do know. I once was blind, but now I see. That is the power of God. That is the transformative work of Jesus Christ. That is the promise of the Holy Spirit. What if the disciples, the crowd gathered that day, had asked better questions to the man born blind? Something like, how are you doing? And then they listened. What do you need? And then they responded. How can we support you? And then they supported him. What if the crowd had really stopped to see the man born blind, to seek him out and love him and recognize his gifts and talents and shared life with him? What if we asked better questions? What if the church asked better questions. Maybe Jesus wouldn't even have to have come by that day. Maybe God would have already been present and celebrating in their midst, in their lives, and in their community. Maybe the presence of the light of the world would have already been shining so bright. May we all open the eyes of our hearts 
to see one another, to be bold to ask better questions, to believe right now in the beautiful, boundless, bountiful power of God, and to celebrate, yes, we were born this way. Thanks be to God. Amen.